Hi, I'm Mark Morenshaw from Newsdata. Our skilled journalists spend hundreds of hours each week researching, writing, and editing content for our energy newsletters. For independent, expert coverage of Western U.S. electric and natural gas issues, visit newsdata.com for your free trial subscription. Broadband. We need it for work and for school, for our health and our economy. What's being done to bring broadband internet access within reach of every American? Let's talk about it now on Rural Broadband Today. Here's your host, Stephen Smith. Hello, thanks for tuning in. And our special guest on Rural Broadband Today is Bill Price. Bill is currently the VP of Government Solutions at Lightbox. But before that, Bill developed and managed the Digital Georgia program. And in Georgia, they built what is considered one of the most granular state-level broadband mapping programs in the country. And Bill's here today to talk to us about that project and the state of broadband, particularly in rural America, and talk to us a little bit about his new role with Lightbox as well. So looking forward to sharing with you my interview with Bill Price. And thanks for tuning in today. Uh, again, this is Stephen Smith, your host of Rural Broadband Today, and I am very excited to have uh, Bill Price as my guest. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stephen. Glad to be here. Well, first of all, congratulations on your new position with uh, Lightbox. I believe that happened in uh, July, and we'll we'll certainly get into that um, in a few moments. But we wanted to, uh, I think, begin the conversation by diving into the work that you did in Georgia. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, you've got uh, a, a, a lot of renown, I think, of, for what uh, Georgia accomplished under your leadership there at the authority. So so let's dig into that uh, just a little bit to, to get started. Tell us about your role uh, with the authority in, in Georgia and, and, and kind of how you landed in that position. Sure. Um, well, the Georgia Technology Authority, um, among many things, provides technical assistance and support to other um, agencies, uh, the governor's office, and the legislature when it comes to technical issues, right? Mm-hmm. And as you know, broadband is pretty technical at times, right? <clears throat> so uh, the authority was named in statute to assist the Department of Community Affairs and the Department of Transportation and Department of Economic Development and others uh, to put together a broadband plan for the state, the strategy, if you will, and plan of action um, to assist in setting up a broadband grant program and to develop a location-level broadband map of availability statewide in the state of Georgia. So I joined the Georgia Technology Authority back in 2012 and ran their broadband program office, and we did a version of broadband mapping that was funded by NTIA back during the Obama administration during stimulus when there were broadband grants uh, to build out broadband infrastructure at the time, and got to know the the landscape of broadband mapping pretty well uh, through doing that from 2012 to 2015, did it for the state of Florida for a couple of years prior to that. So that's how I sort of dovetail in. And when uh, the legislature passed broad legislation in uh, 2018 about the broadband goals of the state, uh, GTA got called upon, and of course I did too. Well, the state of Georgia is known for having uh, developed, under your leadership, a very granular broadband map. And uh, I'd, I'd like you to compare that to 
what the FCC has available in terms of mapping historically and the the challenges of that and why the state of Georgia felt like we need to do a much better job. Sure. Uh, you know, the FCC approach using the 477 forms historically has been if one location is served in a census block, they code the uh, census block as a served block, uh, whether it is or it isn't, right? So that methodology, of course, leaves itself open to um, not being totally accurate, of course, <clears throat> and everybody knows that, that. You know, nationwide people are aware of it, but, you know, when that's all you've got, that's what you use, right? Um, and so for the legislators and the governor, that wasn't going to be good enough when we looked at where do we invest Georgia's state money in a grant program. Uh, so from an investor point of view, they wanted to be more accurate in targeting their investment. <clears throat> So the approach was we would map all the locations, residential and business, which turned out to be about 5.2 million of them, right? And then we would work with all the service providers, wound up being 44 of them, uh, to determine which locations could be served if someone placed an order and which ones could not. Can so, answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you raise, you raise a good point there that uh, to be looking that really from a stewardship standpoint of there, there are limited dollars to invest in broadband deployment. And the information that, you know, we historically have with the FCC maps, this doesn't give us the information, does it, to, to uh, really do a good job targeting those funds? Well, it's kind of, it, you know, I mean, if you look at the FCC data, right, and in Georgia, there were census blocks that were 100% unserved, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, back when we, back in 2018, when we were looking at maybe 15, 20 million state funds, I mean, you you could you could spend all of that and still have a lot of unserved locations. Now it's a little different now, right? You've got the American recovery money, and there's hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars that are now available for targeting uh, broadband expansion to where it's not, right? Mm -hmm. So now that you have the opportunity to probably solve the problem once and for all, right, then it seems to me like you'd want to have the best data for better decisions, better targeting, less funding of overbuild where service providers already provide service, have already made an investment, um, and, you know, less waste of government funds, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that your program uh, focused on that I'd, I'd like to get you to, to explain a little bit is, it's, it's not only about expanding the availability of broadband, but it's about increasing the adoption of, of broadband. And why was that a, a, an integral part of the program that you led? Um, well, you know, the first order of business was to make it available, right? But the state, of course, recognized that the benefits, the ultimate benefits of people using, you know, getting online, getting on the Internet, uh, getting services, you know, running their business, um, being consumers and buying things. Um, so, and, you know, access and availability is one thing. And then there's affordability, right? Mm -hmm. People's ability to pay based on their, their income. And uh, so we spent a lot of time doing analysis on how to target existing federal programs to assist people. Um, to get on the internet who couldn't afford it, right? And then there's equipment, right, and training. Um, so at the end of the day, it's kind of like a three-legged stool before the real benefits are realized, right? But the first step is access and availability, which we spend a lot of time on. And, and how was the importance of that uh, highlighted through the pandemic 
Oh gosh. Yeah. Goodness. Hello. Really did. Well, you know, of course where it hit home first was students, right? K-12 primarily, but mm-hmm. that did include technical college students and uh, university students, but students ability to do virtual learning, meaning having access first and foremost, again, equipment, you know, and uh, everything else that goes along with that. So the Department of Education reached out to us and we, you know, we looked at the served, unserved data and we got all the student addresses, K-12 in the state, and we determined which ones didn't get access to it. Um, We launched an effort to work with um, other data providers, the mobile service providers, telecom providers to do an analysis on all the low income housing properties in the state and looking at ways that the state, the governor was going to fund access for students living in low income housing. Right. And then there were like 50,000 of those. Um, so, you know, we did a lot of work with the DOE um, and we wound up identifying for 216 school districts, the 10 best spots, for example, to deploy uh, Wi-Fi hotspots on buses for student access during COVID virtual learning. If they didn't have it at home, Um, we wound up um, working with T-Mobile. I think it was DOE did um, to pay for internet access via mobile hotspots for students living in low income housing. Um, So yeah, you're right. I mean, COVID, really put a fine point on the need for online access, right? Yeah, absolutely. Why why do you think, um, talk to us a little bit about the importance of, let's say it this way, broadband deployment, broadband uh, availability, accessibility, and then the affordability and the adoption issues as well. It's not a top-down issue. It's not the government's going to come in and, do everything to fix this, that it really depends on, like you mentioned earlier, working with 44 uh, broadband service providers in the state of Georgia, it really is dependent on a public-private partnership, and there's a role to play for several entities uh, throughout the community. Kind of unpack that for us. Well, you know, I mean, the the provider industry, right, the private sector provider industry, right, has been making all the investments in communications infrastructure for 100 years, Mm -hmm. 100 plus years, right? And so, you know, it's those investments. If you want to maximize limited government funding, right, to to offset and encourage expansion, right, you want to leverage to the fullest extent possible uh, where interests align, right? Uh, the people who have already been making all those investments. Plus you've got, you know, somebody's got to, even once you've built it, somebody's got to maintain it, sustain it, you know, provide customer service, provide the retail service offer. So it made sense to us, you know, to look for every way possible um, to work collaboratively and in partnership with the service providers. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we did the map, for example, it was a true partnership. We couldn't have done the mapping without, you know, each, each company providing us with where they could serve data. Cause first thing you do is you determine all the locations that you can serve and what you net out is the locations that you can't. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, and that even extends into uh, adoption, you know, being aware government being aware and appreciative and understanding that if we're, if we're both going to make an investment to expand broadband, then don't we want to know, 
you know, who can't afford it where they are, right? Um, who has a, like, a higher likelihood to buy it if you build it, you know, so you don't want to do a, you know, build it and maybe they'll come. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you look at it from a joint investment perspective, then, you know, interests get aligned pretty quick. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. because you both want to, you both want to be successful at the end of the day. And what you don't want to have occur, which has happened historically a lot is wasted investments and wasted projects that don't wind up providing service availability to really unserved people or anything really. I mean, there've been, there's a long storied history of government efforts, you know, to invest in broadband expansion projects. Uh, that never see the light of the day and they don't realize what the promise was. Right. So mm. pretty important. Absolutely. Well, which brings us to in July, it was announced that uh, you were joining, you were joining Lightbox as the vice president of government solutions. And we'll, we'll dive into your role there in a moment, but first uh, tell us about uh, Lightbox and explain to our listeners what a real estate information and technology platform is. Sure. Well, Lightbox, you know, historically is a data services company uh, and provides data services, uh, technology, you know, um, capabilities and the data to power basically uh, the insurance industry around real estate and uh, appraisals and commercial real estate and commercial real estate transactions. Uh, It provides the data and the platforms, the technology, if you will, to power things like Zillow, um, Google and Apple's um, applications that use location data. So at the end of the day, sometimes it's called location intelligence, but at the end of the day, at the inside of it, right, is information, is data about locations, right? Mm -hmm. So if you you connect that to the broadband world, uh, if you're going to build a network to serve unserved people, well, you want to have as much information as you can about the unserved locations. Like you want to know the address and you want to know the address that is correctly attached to the property information about simple things like, is it a residential property or is it a commercial property? Is there one structure or are there more than one structure? How many structures are they, right? So you tie the address information to the property information and if you can, like Lightbox, then you have building footprints, you know, the outlines of the building rooftops, if you will, and where those are. And then there's this notion of a um, geo-coordinate, which is a point on a map that you want to be in the center of the building rooftop if you can get it there and tie all that together in one location record. And then once you have all this data, then, you know, on the service platform side, it's making it easy for industries to use it in their day-to-day business, right? Mm-hmm. So is it online? Can I log in and access it? Can I connect it to my systems so that it automates the workflow, right? <clears throat> so there's, there's, you know, Lightbox provides those sort of things and those sort of services and that kind of information to a variety of industries, including state governments. Um, when I was at Georgia, we evaluated commercial location data, right? And a number of providers and we sampled their data and we checked it for accuracy and comprehensiveness, right? And we chose Lightbox, right? And that's how I got to know Lightbox. They got to know me and the broadband program effort. 
Um, and then they realized, you know, that there's a lot of growing focus on broadband and broadband mapping and therefore the need for good data, right, to do accurate, comprehensive broadband maps. And they, you know, approached me with the idea of taking the methodology and the approach uh, and the lessons learned from the Georgia mapping effort uh, and then going to the federal government and the other states, right, uh, in the industry uh, as, a, as a new offer, a new focus area for Lightbox. So that's, you know, sounded like a pretty cool opportunity. I really enjoyed doing the broadband map effort in Georgia. Um, so that's how we got here. And what have you found, uh, Bill, looking across uh, other states and, well, certainly federally, that I guess what what sets that approach uh, apart, the, the, the approach that you took in Georgia? And uh, do, do you see some other states really struggling with the mapping? And are there others out there that, that seem to be doing, uh, you know, a better job than others? What, do you, what are you seeing on the landscape? Well, they're all over the places you might imagine, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, a few states are, um, there's a couple of states that are going to try and do it themselves and they're going to use their own data or they're going to buy data from a company like Lightbox and combine that together. Um, There's two or three of those. Uh, There's seven or eight states that are currently in the planning process to do a either a broadband uh, procurement that includes mapping or to do procurements to buy data or do procurements to pay for somebody to do mapping, right? Most of the states are not there yet. Um, Because of the American recovery money is such a significant amount that every governor uh, has gotten, right? And they have to choose if they're going to allocate some of that to broadband, right? And potentially it's so much more money it really has caused a number of states to step back, governors and legislatures, uh, to step back and say, okay, what have we been doing? How is that going? Do we need to change it up uh, since there's so much more money? Because everybody up until then was dealing with no money to very little money to invest. Right. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, right. If, for those states who are going to invest a substantial amount of money in broadband expansion projects through grants, right? Hopefully um, it's not that hard for them to understand having better data to decide where to make those funds available is, is a good idea because the cost of doing it is, you know, like less than probably three to 4% or less of the available funds to invest. So the return on investment to get the better data, to make the better decisions is pretty good. Hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Yes, it does. Um, this next question is kind of a two-parter and ties into to that. What, what do you think the prospects are that we're going to see uh, this infrastructure bill uh, pass that's floating around? And do you think, the states and even down to the provider level, do you think we're capable of deploying all those investments um, in the short term, considering, you know, labor shortages and, uh, you know, material backlogs and, you know, what kind of challenges is that going to, it sounds like great news. We get that passed. We're going to have, you know, a ton of money flowing in to solve the, the, the digital divide once and for all. But, you know, are we set up to handle that? No, <laughs> no, 
everyone in the entire supply chain or the entire ecosystem, you know, realizes what you just said. Right. Yeah. And everybody's going to have to deal with it on their own terms at the moment. Right. Uh, you know, when, uh, you know, all right, let's just everybody's sort of assuming the infrastructure bill passed. Right. And everybody knows it's coming. And I know a bunch of states are, you know, looking at consulting contracts to bring in expertise to help them prepare. Right. Put together, well, what's our plan? Right. And what do we need? What resources do we need? And what are we going to accomplish? Right. So those questions are being asked, right? They're being thought about. So that's good, right? Mm -hmm. At some point where there be a bottleneck in the supply chain, of course it will, right? And at some point where will timelines, we don't know what the timelines are associated with the infrastructure bill, right? Mm -hmm. So if every state's going to get a million, hundred million minimum, and then some are going to get more, we don't know how much time will be allowed to run those projects, right? But I'm pretty sure that at the end of the day, um, if extensions are needed, you know, government has done that in the past, right? Government can do it in the future. I think the funds are probably going to be administered by NTIA as part of the Department of Commerce. And, you know, in the past, at least, during stimulus with the BTOP program, um, extensions were granted. Right. You, you've got to have a valid reason for it. But, um, you know, and if, if supply chain bottlenecks, workforce bottlenecks, uh, equipment bottlenecks occur, you know, the system is not so rigid that it will fail because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. We're going to um, scale back a little bit here and um, ask you a big picture question. You have been you've been associated with Internet service for a very long time from doing a Metro Ethernet with a Sprint in 1989 uh, to uh, working with Bell South and launching their uh, really early work in business and consumer internet. Looking back at those early days, like, you know, 25 years ago or more to, uh, to what we see today, of course you never could have envisioned that. Um, what, what do you see as, um, how has the internet changed in terms of particularly, you know, as the focus of this show being in the, in the rural areas, how's it changed in terms of, you know, being in, important to our everyday lives? Well, it touches everything, right? And, uh, years ago when I started with the state of Georgia back in 2012, it turned out I had a cousin who lived in a very rural area in uh, Southwest Georgia. And of course, his daughter, uh, he, he was in the commercial insurance business and his daughter couldn't do her homework online in that school, right? And this was near Blakely, Georgia. You, you're familiar with that part of Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just peanut fields, you know, um, small towns, rural America. Right? right. So, you know, they got together and formed a group and uh, they applied for uh, USDA BIP grants and you know they were going to go you know like they do what americans do when they got a problem and uh, you know they try and solve it themselves they try and be innovative um, because of his daughter's inability to do her schoolwork right so kids of course drive a lot of parent behavior (laughs) (laughs) and uh and and then of course you know you've got the phenomenon that everybody is trying to deal with the best they can in rural america which is uh, healthcare in rural areas and hospitals closing down and uh, you know, the ability to get online and see a doctor 
um, or get some form of health care remotely. Um, you know, that's been going on for quite some time for a couple of, you know, at least a decade or more. Um, so there's healthcare, uh, you know, I mean, there's just, there's nothing in our lives that it, it appears to me that is not, uh, touched by being able to do things, uh, you know, with the computer online, right. Uh-huh. So whether it's education or healthcare, or something to do with financial, or you're running a business and you want to make it available to a broader marketplace. Um, you want to use Facebook, you know, right, to do, to run your business and sell your product, right. Or you want to access, you know, online uh, services to buy things, right? Amazon, of course, right? Um, you can't do that if you can't get online or you're running a farm, right? I remember down there in Blakely, one of the big things was, you know, irrigation systems and irrigation management. And you're the farmer, right? And you can monitor your irrigation system from the farmhouse, right? Uh, and see what's working, what's not. And uh, see the data that tells you you need to put it over here. Um, that's important too. So agriculture, you know, will transform over time uh, with automation, just like everything else has. Mm. That's pretty important in Georgia. I'm sure it is in Alabama too. Sure is. Yeah, all over rural America. That's for sure. Well, Bill, it's, it's been a pleasure um, exploring some of these topics with you. And, and how could our listeners learn more about Lightbox and? Um, and, and keep up with the work that you're doing. Sure. Well, you know, we have, we do have a, a website <laughs> uh, and it's www.lightboxre.com. Um, so it's not like box, just B O X. It's L I G H T B O X R E.com. Lightbox. Um, and we've got, you know, we're, we're putting more and more information up there about uh, national internet, mapping broadband mapping uh, we're keeping that up to date we're going to do some webinars um ourselves on better data for better decision making in broadband so those sort of things all right sounds good and i guess you're out there on linkedin and twitter or I wherever am. folks can find you i'm on link i'm on linkedin yes sir all right sounds good i appreciate the opportunity to uh, do the do the podcast absolutely thanks for, thanks for coming on Uh, And again, my guest today is uh, Bill Price. He is Vice President of Government Solutions for Lightbox. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Rural Broadband Today, where we focus on the leaders and the topics and the people who are making a real difference in bringing broadband to rural America. Rural Broadband Today is a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company.